Hello and welcome to Volley MD with your hosts Mark and Drew. And we are going to be talking to you guys today about uh, club volleyball and school volleyball. And we're super excited, but we're going to first talk about our experience and a little bit about us. Mark? So I've been coaching volleyball for about 14 years. Uh, started coaching school four years ago, but been in the club world pretty much my entire career. Um, noticed a lot of differences between the two, but uh, we love it. We're ready to get started and, and um, move forward with this podcast. Yeah, so I'm excited about this podcast too because we've talked about doing it for a while. Mark and I have been coaching together for several years. Um, I've been coaching for 23 years and in both school and club volleyball, um, played in college and also um, have been doing this for uh, just just a long time and it's been a passion of, of mine. So we're, we're really excited to get on here and discuss some topics with you guys uh, that are important to us. We're um, going to talk to a little bit today about our experience with school versus club volleyball and what the differences are. And uh, we've been doing this uh, for a long time and there are a lot of differences that we're going to, we're going to talk about. But uh, first uh, we definitely wanted to talk about um, school volleyball versus club and the difference of, building our building a team versus kind of getting getting the players uh you get and you don't throw a fit type of thing so mark what are your thoughts on that well first i'd like to say uh drew and i we coach in the north texas region um so it's a very competitive region in texas uh, a lot of great club teams a lot of great club uh clubs around the area uh and so with that comes a lot of uh, good girls playing for school as well. Uh, but I think one difference between club and school could be uh, that you don't have everybody in school playing for a club. So you have some mixed uh, variety there with skill and with uh, overall court knowledge. You know, with club, you're building teams, you're uh, recruiting girls, and um, yeah, a lot of those girls come from past experiences and, and there's also some new girls that come in. It depends on the level of the team. But ultimately what we see in, in club versus school is a lot more uh, of the environment. I think with school volleyball, you get uh, some fun experiences with more crowds and uh, school spirit. And I think with club uh, it's probably a little bit more competitive in some areas. Yes, today's topic is is pretty uh, neutral and not so controversial, which we're kind of excited about talking about some controversial topics with the the sport. But uh, with with school, it's the one thing I, I coach at a private school that's taps for a, and uh, I know Mark is a coach at private school too. It's there's something different about school volleyball. It's the club, it's the camaraderie, the 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 uh, coaches, the players, the fans, the parents, um, the games are big and exciting. Uh, the environment is completely different than club. And that part I, I completely adore. I just, I love the, the big games and, um, the players, um, and their, their, their spirit and just their fight. It's sometimes it's, it's more than, more than what you get in club in that environment. And, I enjoy that atmosphere. I love it. Um, 
on the downside, you don't always get the players that you need. So, you know, your program is going to be like a little bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes you're going to go up and down and, uh, you know, this year my, our, our team's eight, no district. So we're, we're really having a good year. Um, but it's, uh, there's years we've been down and so it can be, you know, those rebuilding years, it can be a little more frustrating, but club being club, you know, it, you're constantly recruiting and you're constantly, you know, trying to find girls, uh, to make your teams bigger and better every year. And I think with club, it's, there's definitely an art to building a team and things that you look for. And, um, Mark, I, I guess my question for you is what do you look for when you're building your club team? What, what are you looking for with your, your players and your, your parents and, and all that? Well, I think the difference from club and school is, you know, you actually get to choose those personalities. So, you know, with, with us and club, we get to see the girls uh, throughout the summer and throughout the tryout process. It's a very long process. Uh, after school, after club ball ends, you know, you get to uh, see the girls through clinics, through groups and lessons. And so you get to meet uh, a lot of the parents and kind of understand what girls you want on the team based on personality, based on competitive nature. There's some stuff you don't get to see that you see afterwards, but, um, you know, I want to see a girl fight on the court. Uh, you know, I know they bring their best uh, during tryouts process and you see that, but as you bring them in for lessons, you see how they react to uh, the other girls who are fighting alongside them and yeah. uh, what energy they bring. You know, we obviously like girls that talk, girls that bring a lot of energy and girls that'll fight for, for a spot on the team. But uh, I also like them to be able to communicate to the coach, right? If they're not coming up to me afterwards and asking what they can get better at or what we're looking for, then they're probably not the girls that we want to coach. Um, I think it's very valuable to have that kind of communication uh, effort with your coach. Yeah, our our tryout process in North Texas is insane. It has just evolved over the last ten to fifteen years into basically now that now that we're we're going pretty much like nationals at the end of June, we're coming back and doing tryouts right away. So club volleyball essentially is like year round now, whereas it used to not be that way. So that's like a whole nother topic in, in itself about how kids have to be a year round sport now for them, uh, including school volleyball. But, you know, going back to, uh, you know, the building your team, I'm just going to say it. I, I look for parents too. I, I'm parents are trying out just as much as kids are. And, you know, any parents that are listening to this podcast, it's huge. You know, we want, we want to see, um, the kids represent themselves. We want to see them coming and communicating and talking to the coaches, you know, the parent that comes up at the end of the, the tryout, you know, that's always the one that's talking for their kid and the one that's like telling us all these good things about their kid. You know, it's like, well, we can see that, you know, we can we can look at your kid and, and you know, watch how how they're trying out. And, you know, there's there's a lot of red flags and, you know, there also there's reputations and, you know, the volleyball world is very small in North Texas. And we hear from a lot of their clubs and coaches like the parents that are troublemakers you know, they come in and there's definitely players that I have not taken in the past because you hear that their parents are trouble or their family's trouble. And, you know, that's why we, we really preach to the kids that, you know, their attitude and their, their heart and their hustle and all of that's important on the court, but also, you know, representing themselves and being a good communicator to the coaches is huge 
uh, on their on their own and not having their parents step in and doing uh, and intervening a lot for them. Which, um, as coaches, that's that's the biggest thing that we want to see when uh, you know for a parent support role, we want them to be uh, supportive in that way to their to their their player, their their kid, in the sense that they're they're standing behind. And not, you know, pushing ahead and being in front of, of their kid. And, you know, that's, you're, you're a parent of a player, actually. <laughs> and yep. uh, so am I. Mine, mine's, mine are coming up, too, as well. So we know how that goes. Yeah, you're a parent now, too, of a, yeah. of a boys. So <laughs> that's, that's right. another cool thing about uh, North Texas and uh, I think some other regions as well. But North Texas has a huge boys program that's... Uh, you know, not just getting started, but it's getting bigger and bigger every year. And so you don't only have the girls side of the sport, you have uh, the boys side now, which um, again, is getting bigger. So yeah, we're both parents uh, of, of athletes right now uh, in volleyball. And, uh, you know, my, my girls have been in volleyball for uh, a long time now too. So I've been on both sides. So I definitely see the good, the bad, and, and uh, you know, I let the coaches handle it. That's kind of my my responsibility as um, a coach and a father, just making sure that my kid can handle her communication to her coaches and make sure she's uh, learning and developing through the sport. You know, if they don't go to college because uh, of this uh, routine, then I'm okay with her just being uh, a better person through being a uh, student athlete. Yeah. I I think, you know, we go back, go back and forth and, and talk a lot about, you know, parent stories and it's when it's when the parents get too involved that's when you have issues and you know as a parent i i i'm going through that now and i see when my kids play sports it's like there's so many times when i want to put my hand in in the equation but as a coach i definitely know you know what happens when you do that and so you know have your kids you know deal with go through issues and have have um resolution and figure things out on their own that's that's such a big part of sports and um i i just you know that's a huge that's another whole nother topic right but um going back to you know how do we build our teams you know we look at we look at the whole package you know this kid she's got a great family they're committed you know she's got the skills she's you know willing to do multiple positions there's all kinds of things we look for when we're building our, our club teams. And, you know, a lot of times we have options. We have like, okay, I've got five kids here. I'm looking for this, these middle positions. Um, and, you know, like middles and setters, that's every year. It's like, that's the thing that we, we struggle with. We try to get those first because it seems like everybody wants to be outside or you're flooded with DSs, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's been the kind of the common theme in our region is the middles and the setters, the really good ones are, are being picked over by the top clubs and you have to really get a hold of those kids fast. Um, but if you can get, you know, some solid middles and setters, then the rest of the pieces usually fall into place. And, you know, then you, you, you have a strong team and you're ready to go for the, for the next, next season. So, um, any thoughts on that? Well, I just want to also kind of mention too, you know, what, what are your, um, different philosophies for school versus club as far as the positions they play. For me, I see that for club, we can kind of choose a position that we need and girls try out for those positions. For school, if they need to be a middle, but they're an outside, 
we've got to use them as that middle. Yeah. Right. If they're a DS for club, uh, and what we need a setter, we need to put them in that role. And I think uh, that's another big difference between club and school. What yeah. are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, your, your players have to be more versatile in school. I feel, you know, just because, you know, like take my team this year, for instance, we have, we have all the pieces that we need, but we don't have any extra to set. Like we, our depth is, is very limited. We have all of the pieces we need for the positions, but if one player goes down and we have to start moving kids around, we're going to be in trouble because we don't have, we can't, we don't have the luxury of just pulling like, you know, Oh, I've got three outsides and a couple of middles over there on the bench that can just rotate in whenever we need. So, you know, the bigger, the public schools, they have definitely more options. You know, they, they have more kids, but definitely at the private school level, what we're looking at is, you know, less, um, uh, more versatility actually out of your players is, is amazing. If you have a kid that can play multiple positions, that's going to help you in the long run, but, uh, less options for sure. So, now, what are your thoughts also on parents in club versus parents in school? I find that the parents in club uh, seem to talk to the coaches a little bit more yeah. because they're paying for it. Uh, and in school, maybe some coaches have a philosophy of, of no communication before uh, kids. What is your thought? Man, that is such a good topic. I, you know, I used to coach at a, at a private school before I moved up here to McKinney. Um, that their policy and it all is all based on the school. Right. But our policy was parents cannot come in and talk about playing time. Playing time was off the table. And I absolutely love that as a coach. Right. Um, because you know, you, you took what you had, you played the kids as best and as fairly as you could for the team to be successful and win. And the only, the only parent meeting I ever had at that school was, um, kids that parents that the only reason they could come in and talk to you is if they felt like their kid was being mistreated, um, whether it was, you know, verbally or, or however. And so I had very, very few parent meetings and one that I had started out as that, but then it quickly turned to playing time. And the, the athletic director was, we're not going to talk about this. He is like, I understand why we're here now and this meeting is over. And so, you know, I, having a policy like that, it's, uh, it really protects the coaches, you know, cause the coaches are doing their best job they can. Um, now if there is mistreatment, obviously, yes. Um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's different in club club parents feel like they have a say because they're paying all this money. And so the second they feel like their kid's not playing enough, you know, a lot of the, the focus, you know, on in club it is improvement of that individual. And so, you know, they're the parents like, okay, well, we're here to get better. We're here to, to play too. And if we don't feel like I'm, they're getting that a lot of parents that feel like they're, they're not getting that they're getting their money's worth. They're going to come in and they're going to say something. Um, so I think you get less of that at school because they're not paying all this money, you know, and the, for the development, like they are in club. Um, so any thoughts on that or, uh, I have a similar experience really like, um, you know, I've, I've been doing more club than school, you know, uh, Drew here has been in, in both uh, areas for, for a while now. And I'm just kind of getting into that school, uh, volleyball mindset. But, uh, as an assistant, I don't really deal with the parents as much, 
uh, as the head coach would, but I think uh, they are less involved in, in, on the school side, at least, and then on the then on the uh, club side. Which I think either way, you know, you got to let the coach do their job. But obviously, if there is mistreatment, like Drew mentioned, um, or you feel, you know, I think the girl needs to take care of it first. And if there's yeah. not that comfortability, then you know you have other avenues to to help out. Um, you know, other forms of leadership that might be able to step in and, and, uh, you know, help in that scenario. But Mm -hmm. I think ultimately, you know, us being able to, to teach our athletes to communicate with adults will help them grow, will help them get better in life. Uh, you know, but again, there's, there's different situations in, in every, in every turn. Yeah. I think, you know, going back to club, you know, so many parents get the, the car ahead of the horse, they, they want to come in and talk to you right away, or they'll send you a message or even a phone call. I, this year I've had coaches tell me, you know, I'm in the middle of a game and I've had parents texting me and they'll pull their phone out of their pocket, which I don't even have my phone on me anyway in games, but these coaches will tell me, yeah, I pulled my phone out of my pocket and I've had parents texting me in the middle of a match. Hey, why is my kid not in? We, we need them in so we can win. And it's like, man, it's just crazy how, you know, some parents can be so overbearing in that way. And, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said before, you know, let your, let your kids handle their, their issues. And, you know, I know when I was growing up playing sports, my parents, they were there to watch the games, but not one time did they ever go and talk to the coach. They were, it was, if I wasn't playing enough, it was on me to go and settle that issue and, or to work harder and to earn that spot. And that's, that was just the way it was in my house. And, I wish it was still like that because there's a lot of parents that will, that will try to intervene for their kid to get them on the court or get them on the field these days in sports. And we're doing youth sports a disservice in that way because we're not letting kids deal with their own issues. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal in sports for sure. Drew, this has been a great topic. I think we just scratched the surface, but we've got to <laughs> we've got to move on to our next topic. I think we can yeah. definitely revisit this one and and uh, maybe come up with a couple more scenarios. But hopefully, that helps you guys a little bit on just understanding from a coach's perspective both sides of the school volleyball and also the club volleyball. Um, so my topic uh, is going to be the myth of snapping. So we're going to try to include a discussion with a, a skill. And I think this skill uh, is something that has been widely uh, talked about. And, you know, I don't know if we'll have a finite answer on, on what's the true version, but I understand, you know, Drew and I, we coach together and we've coached together for uh, a while now. So we both have similar philosophies and I think we rarely disagree on, uh, what we teach and the skills we teach, but, uh, what are your thoughts on, on snapping? All right, let's get this thing started. Okay. Well, how about you tell them a little <laughs> bit what snapping might be if, uh, some are new and, and don't know. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of coaches out there that are not even a lot. There's, there's this group of coaches out there that, and, and I'm just now recently hearing about this, but, um, there's, there's some coaches that don't like the term snap or don't want to hear snap. Um, or are go, taking it a step further, they're not teaching a, a wrist snap as, as much. They, they want to use other terms and, and uh, teach their kids hit the ball a little bit differently. Um, so, you know, being, being around for the sport for a while, we've, we've, we've used that term for so long. So it's, for me, it's like reinventing the wheel, right? But for me, I, I feel like 
I have, I've taught so long the word snap because it's something that I learned when I was growing up playing, uh, you know, especially sand, I was playing sand uh, using that. And then also in college when I played and developing and then coaching kids in club from a, from a, a younger age, I always have used that term. So feeling like what that is to me is, um, I, I, I go back one more step is I, I teach for arm swing, two big things. I always tell my kids reach and snap. And one thing that I think any coach out there cannot disagree on is that we want our kids to hit high. So the first, you know, verbiage I'm going to use is reach. And so for that, we teach our kids to pull, pull their elbows high and back in a position where they can rotate and contact in a high position. So when I teach reach, that's what I'm teaching. And then for the follow through after the rotation um, of their shoulders and their hips, um, the wrist being from a, a backwards position, uh, their hand in a backwards position to all the way through. Um, I'm going to use the guy, uh, <laughs> Danny kind of, if you've never, if you've never seen this guy on YouTube, he's, he's awesome and he's hilarious. And he used to go around to the qualifiers, but he, he had this thing in his video, YouTube videos that, um, he was, he would say, don't, don't be afraid to show the snap. Don't be, and he would, he would have the wrist all the way through after, after his swings. And it was, he was kind of like, it was kind of a comedian, but he also was, you know, really into volleyball. So he would, he would use uh, these examples and it was hilarious, but it's, it's true. Like I feel that way. It's like, show the snap, finish with the snap, finish with your wrist all the way through to generate that, that top spin. And that's where we get that top spin. And I think that's where others disagree. Right. So that's kind of where, and maybe you can kind of represent the, 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 the group for a minute. Cause I know you believe in snap, but represent the group that feel like that's not really a thing. So I do understand why they feel that way. Um, understanding a little bit of it, you know, I don't think the motion, you know, you watch volleyballs and you, you watch volleyball in slow motion, you watch the arm swing in slow motion and you don't see the wrist coming over the ball, right? The contact happens, the ball releases from your hand, but your motion, your continuation through the ball in that snapping form allows that ball to spin. And I think, you know, as coaches, we have to not reinvent the wheel necessarily, but there are different ways to explain a skill. And I think sure. for me, um, I'm, I'm about shaping the ball. So shaping it, it is snapping, but you know, there are thumb up moves, there are thumb down moves that you have to kind of shape the ball. Uh, but I think the wrist is involved, right? You have to move your wrist forward in order for that ball to spin. Uh, you know, coach Drew and I, we do, lessons and we do groups and we teach this and i have seen girls that don't have a snap and the ball's flat it's like a serve right yeah. so when you tell them to get that wrist around you get that snap snapping motion it's like a light bulb right mm -hmm. but i think the the way that i teach young kids is you want to snap and you want to show your fingernails to your partner right that allows them to have that visual to say that Hey, I'm going to move my wrist forward and that ball is going to spin. Cause that's what my coach is asking from me. Right. Uh, you also kind of teach maybe a rainbow. If, if the ball, if your wrist creates kind of a rainbow motion, you're, um, you're snapping. But I do think that has to be 
uh, you, you have to have a loose wrist. You have to have a uh, limber wrist, not a stiff wrist. But I do believe that snapping is a big part of how that ball does, does create shape uh, and, and moves forward in a topspin manner. Yeah, I think one of the best examples of this, and, and we see a topspin serve versus a flat, a flat like floater serve. And we teach our kids with the floater serve to keep your wrist firm, your hand firm, and the contact on your palm because you want that ball to go over with no spin at all. Um, versus a topspin serve. If somebody's doing a topspin jump serve, they're coming in with basically a hitting arm swing, just hitting you know a little bit more behind the ball or slightly under the ball, and then ripping through with that wrist snap. And you know, I think the biggest thing, the difference between the two, is having that loose wrist. And then the kids have got to understand when they're developing is that they've got to be snapping. They've got to be coming through as they're contacting the ball. Cause if you, they, they, you know, I think the argument there is, well, the ball's not on their hand long enough for it to matter, but I, that's where I disagree. Cause I think if you're, you're actively coming through with your wrist fast, the contact is quick. It is, but you have to be coming through with that wrist snap as you're contacting the ball, it's gotta be fast through. It can't be like hit the ball and then snap, which I see a lot of kids, they, they're like, Oh, I snapped. Oh, well you snapped after you hit the ball. You know, you've got to be making sure you're, you're really whipping that wrist through as you're contacting. And it's amazing. Like when you're doing lessons with kids that don't get it. And then all of a sudden the light bulb does click and they do get it. That is that right there is just, it's just proof that it, it does work. And it is, it's like a, for me, a, a staple to hitting because you just, you have to have it. And um, we've got a, we've got a coach in our club right now that, um, is teaching something different and Mark's going to smile right now because, um, he, they're, they're doing, uh, you know, individual work with kids and positionals and stuff. And we just believe differently and I'm not, you know, trying to trash anybody or anything, but it's when a coach coaches are coaching different things, um, than what you want your players to, to be developed or how you want them to, to be developed that can be frustrating. And I know that's like probably a whole nother topic, right? Because, you know, doing your kids doing private lessons and all that, and then they come back and they're doing something else different. Right. And so we're, we're trying to get some, um, continuity here and just how we're, we're training and how we're, we're our philosophies and, you know, and sometimes you're going to just disagree on some things, but I feel like this is one that for me, I just can't, I cannot teach without. So anyway, thoughts on that. Mark. Well, uh, you know, I think to be fair, we, we have a lot of experience. Uh, we've done a lot of volleyball over the years and we know what we teach works. And I think if you have something that works and that is helping girls develop in the sport, then you stick to it. But I also evolve and we make sure we're, we're teaching new things and there's some things that will change, but a lot of things will stay, stay the same. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people will, will agree with us in the sense that snap is a big part of, uh, of volleyball and teaching that helps a lot of girls create spin on the ball. Uh, I also agree that, uh, some other girls will have more of a flatter type swing. And I think top spin isn't necessarily the biggest piece that allows you to be a good hitter. I think some really, a lot of girls have a good float type swing that 
creates a lot of points because they're able to get on top of the ball. And I think that's important with reach. So I think getting those two things um, interchangeable will also help athletes develop and, and get better. But I think also just the fact that uh, what, what Drew mentioned on um, having a coach that wants the girls to learn the specific things that they're teaching and not learning new things that they're not going to be trained in practice is something that uh, will help the athlete too. Um, you know, I'll, I'll encourage all of my girls. I, I am not someone who knows everything about volleyball, but I do my research and I make sure that I uh, know my stuff. So I'll tell them, I'll encourage them. If someone is telling you something different, I'll tell you exactly the reason why I teach it the way I do. And if, if you want to continue doing it your way and it works, I am open to that. But I am going to teach a certain way and I believe my way helps you to be a better athlete um, for our team and for your future development. Yeah. And same here. You know, we, we definitely want the girls to go and learn from multiple coaches and, and, you know, just within our club, the way we do it, we, we have like a ladder system where the coaches are, you know, are from, from one, from all the way from down to tens. Now we have tens teams all the way to, uh, eight teams. So the coaches typically stay at the age groups and the kids come up and learn from every coach. And so they're going to learn different stuff. And I think that's so important too, as well. But, uh, anyway, hopefully, uh, we have, uh, maybe, uh, scratched the surface a little bit here with, uh, our, uh, philosophy on that. And, uh, there's way more to come and I'm super excited about discussing some of these other topics and, uh, any other thoughts, Mark on, on anything else before we go? Drew, I'm excited. I think uh, these conversations are going to be helpful to anybody listening. And I think I'm going to learn a lot just by talking with these subjects with you. Yeah, so absolutely. Hope look- you guys have enjoyed and uh, any questions, just let us know and topics, uh, comments, just yeah, holler at us. Yeah, we'll try to get our social media updated and uh, try to get you guys an avenue.